you have your copy of God's Word, let me invite you to open up to the book of Colossians chapter 3. This morning we're going to look at verses 20 and 21. Uh, and then if you want to find your place in Ephesians 6, we're going to kind of be going back and forth and looking at those briefly. Um, if you're a guest here or a visitor, this is sort of uh, outside of uh, really what the norm is. Over beginning last week and then this week uh, and then uh, two weeks from now, uh, what we've kind of done is we usually take about seven or eight verses at a time and try to walk through uh, the scriptures expositionally. Uh, but today in these next few weeks, instead of looking at the forest, we're sort of honing in and looking at the tree in particular uh, and how these things uh, might rightly be divided and even applied to our life. And, and in particular, what we're going to do uh, is uh, talking about uh, parenting and children. Uh, next week is our Disciple Now weekend, so we're going to back up and uh, deal with a passage on worship out of Colossians. And then the following week after that, uh, we're going to deal, if I were to ever do a series on the seven most difficult issues that exist in the Bible, uh, because the text sort of lays itself out there, uh, we're going to sort of attempt to reconcile expositionally the Bible and slavery and being a bondservant and what that means. And so uh, you're going to want to be here uh, for all of those, of course. But today uh, we find ourselves in verses 20 and 21. And uh, so would you follow along with me as I read God's word for us? Where Paul says this, or the word that God says this, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. In Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 through 4, say this, gives us a, a further explanation. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The fathers, again, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord for us. It might be uh, kind of peculiar to you that in a room full of college students being one, or many of you, uh, perhaps you're, uh, a great, you're, you're, a, you're a papa or a mimi or a grandma and you don't have kids anymore. Uh, maybe you're not married yet and, and you haven't had the privilege of having kids. And so why would the preacher come up and speak to a room predominantly full of, of young adults and college students and, and talk about obeying your parents and then talk about parenting and, and what that is and how that informs us? The reason why it's important that we, what we do today is really a prescription, if you will. And some of you intend to have children someday, so you need to understand a few of these things. Some of you that are raising children right now maybe need to adjust or, or to correct. But, but if you're a grandparent and your kids are grown and they're out of the house, these, these principles that exist here, they, they still rightly apply to you and, and your context and in your home. And the reason why we, we talk primarily because the word addresses these things, so, so we must be faithful in doing that and we must look at it. But the reality is that for every single person in this room, your relationship with your parents has a profound impact on how you view the Lord. So understanding how to raise children, understanding the role of the child or the, the role of the, the son or the daughter in relationship to the parent, it matters deeply because it affects ultimately how you might perceive the Lord God today or how your kids will grow up someday and how they will perceive the Lord based upon how you raised them and how you led them. It has deep and severe and long-lasting implications if we fail to get this right. And our relationship with our fathers and our relationship with our mothers, it has great impact. If you had a dad, for instance, 
that was very demanding, that, that he was never satisfied by anything that you did. It, it was never good enough. The grades weren't high enough. The performance on the athletic field wasn't good enough. You end up thinking and seeing your heavenly father through the lens of how you view your earthly father, that he's never satisfied, that he wants you to, to always be perfect in all of the things that you do. And you end up with a dad like that here on this earth. You, you end up growing in, in resentment towards him as you get older. You might thank him in some ways, but if he's overly demanding and over harsh, all it does is produces bitterness and, and resentment in your heart towards him. And it connects back to ha- perhaps how you might view the Lord. If your dad or your mom, for instance, was, was unfaithful, unfaithful in, in whatever ways, in, in the marriage relationship, or then, then you think if, if they left, if one of them left, then we begin to see our heavenly father through that lens that, that my heavenly father will, will abandon me, that he'll leave me or, or they will leave me and just as I was forsaken then. If your dad was, or your mom, for instance, was emotionally distant, wasn't vulnerable with you in, in ways, didn't talk about their feelings at times, didn't share with you how they felt, and, and they were an emotionally distant person, didn't talk about shortcomings, and then what that ends up doing in the life of a teenager and a college student and a young adult is you end up growing up and you become what's just known as like a serial dater, and you become codependent in, in relationships. Because there was no security in the relationship with your earthly father. And so you began to, to be shaped and formed in a, in a way that, that is codependent upon everyone else. If, if your dad was emotionally distant, then, then biblical counselors and psychologists say the same thing. Then your desire with an emotionally distant father is it will push you to the bounds of perfection and succeeding at all costs. That you'll do whatever it takes, even forsake your, your values or, or your principles or the word to get to the top and it will push you to succeed by any means possible. Your relationship with your parents has a profound impact on how you view the Lord. And this is why Paul gets to this point and he begins to talk about the, the minutia, if you will, of application. If Jesus really is the fullness of God on display, as he says... That it has implications in, in our marriages, it has implications in, in how we act as children, how we treat our parents, how we honor them. And, and so as we look at this, he says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. If you are under 18 years old and you are living under the authority of your mom and dad and they're walking with Jesus faithfully, it says, obey them. Because it not just pleases the, the parent, but it, but it pleases the Lord. And then when there's rebellion that exists in the, in the home of the child towards the parent, it's not just a rebellion towards the mom and dad, but ultimately it connects back, as Paul says, it, it connects back to a rebellion before the Lord God Almighty. So the rebellion is not just saying, mom and dad, I don't trust you, or mom and dad, I don't agree with you, but what we're essentially saying when we live under their authority, we're simply saying that we don't trust the Lord God. We don't believe that, that who he has ordained and, and put over us is, is right and good. And, and so Paul says in Colossians, children, obey your parents for this is good and everything. In Ephesians, he says, you honor your mother and your father. You honor them. And there's a couple of ways that, that we can look at this to honor your parents. It, it essentially means this. It means recognizing the institution of parenthood, that God has ordained it. And then here's what he's done with mom and dad. He has put them as the temporary stand-in for the authority of God in your life. He has put them as the, as the temporary stand-in. 
for the authority of God in your life. And so we learn to walk in submission before our mom and dad because it teaches us how to walk in submission before the Lord our God. And that if we don't grasp the the connection between that, we understand that to honor them, it means we're recognizing that God has placed them in our lives so that we can honor them and, and that we can care for them. We can come alongside them. When you live at home as a child, you obey them. But then when you grow up and and you become an adult, uh, what changes is not so much that you obey them, but what changes is the idea of how you honor them or how you respect them all the days of your life. Even if, listen to me in this, even if your mom and dad were lousy parents, even if they weren't good to you, even if they, they had a dad that was, that was absent, that he was emotionally distant, you, you still find ways, in some ways, to, to honor them and, and to bring honor to them and to respect them and to, and to show them respect. Now, I, I know this happens every time that, that I begin to touch on the brokenness of relationships. I know there are some of you here in this room right now, they're saying this in your head, but Drew, you don't know what my mom and dad did to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know what they allowed to happen in the, in the midst of, of my childhood growing up. And you're right, I, I don't know, but I, but I know for every person in this room, there's a different story about how we interacted with our parents. And, and let's just suppose for just a moment that if we're walking faithfully with the Lord, the way that we honor our moms and dads ought to be the way that we wish we are honored someday by our own children. It's the way that we wish that, that someday we would, we would be respected, maybe the way that our moms and dads weren't within our own life. And so we honor our moms and dads, even if they are not worthy of that honor, because in so doing that, we're not honoring them. What we're doing is we're honoring the Lord God. We're not just respecting mom and dad. We're, we're respecting the authority that God has ordained and put over in our life and And we're saying he is good in all his ways. He is good in in who he has put over me. He is good in how I was conceived and brought into this world. He he is good in those things. And so we bring honor to them that it may go well. Notice in the Ephesians passage in 6, he says, as we honor them, he says, there's a condition. The reason why you do this is so that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. The condition is honor your mom and dad. Show them respect and, and, and understanding that they're your authority. One of the things that we touched on last week as we talked about submission, as we get to this place about obeying parents, and, and as we talk about in the next couple of weeks about slavery and bond servants, all of these topics that, that seem to be deeply disconnected, all of them are in the context of Paul telling the church that it is good for us to learn to live under the authority of someone else because in so doing that, we are practicing living under the authority of the Lord our God. If Jesus is who he says he is, then we submit to what he has done for us in our own life. Now, parents, I want to say this to you. I want to give us sort of walk through uh, some things topically, if you will. I've picked up over the years that I've learned from readers and writers and counselors. I've learned from elders. I've learned from from church members along the way and things that Haley and I strive to to put into practice. And some of these things are just a recognition of some realities that need to take place within our own lives. 
More often than not, what, what parents begin to think is that God has given me this child to steward, and he, and he has given you that child to steward. He, he's given you that child to help shape their heart and to cultivate it for the glory of God, for his gospel, and for his namesake. But one of the things I think more often that parents forget is that God hasn't sent you to do the work in the lives of your children. He uses the lives of your children to advance his work in you. And so what that means is is that yes, you help shape and advance his kingdom and the life of your kid, but the recognition is God gives us children to shape our hearts as parents for his kingdom as well. And they teach us things about ourselves and they, they show us things along the way that we wouldn't be able to see otherwise. And God is concerned about shaping the heart of your child, but guess what, mom and dad? In that process, he is also deeply concerned with shaping your own heart as a mom and dad as well. And he wants to change your, your kids, but, but he also deeply wants to change you in the process as you live for his glory and as you steward these kids just for a little while because at some point we all let them go. At some point they all grow up. At some point uh, they all move on. Number two is this. I want you to recognize that in so disciplining our kids and walking, we don't ever exercise authority impatiently and we never do it in anger. We never exercise authority with impatience and we don't do it in anger. There are times in which our kids or perhaps your fathers and mothers will, will make you feel impatient. They will make you feel anger. And those are the moments where you learn in maturity over time to step back and, and to walk away before you exercise any kind of authority that you may have over their life. You never exercise the authority that God has given you when you're impatient and when you're anger, angry. You don't yell, you, you don't throw things, you, you don't discipline from a place in which you are upset or, or you're, you're upset, rightly so, at times, but, but when there's impatience that exists within you, you, you don't exercise that authority ever in anger. Thirdly, I would say this to you, that God knows that parents who admit they are inadequate and run to God make the very best parents. God knows that the people that make the very best parents in this world are the ones that understand their inadequacies, are the ones that display the humility that is necessary as you raise your kids. And so here's what I think one of the most important things for a mom and dad to understand in raising their kids is sometimes as moms and dads, you make mistakes in disciplining your kids. You make mistakes in, in circumstances. You, you read the situation wrong or, or your kids weren't heard right or, or you were misinformed and, and somehow along the way you, you made this mistake. And so one of the most important things I think that dads and moms need to learn to do with their kids is they need to learn to be able to approach their kid and to say, you know, I messed up. They need to learn to say, I, I, was, I was harsh in my, my tone towards you. Or I punished you, if you will, and sent you to your room, and, and I was angry, and I was, I was reacting in that moment. They, they need to learn to say, I, I didn't fully understand the dynamic, or I didn't do a, a great job in making sure that, that you understood not just my tone, but the, but the place that I was coming from. It's an inadequacy that should be on display in the midst of our kids' lives. They ought to regularly hear us say, I am sorry. And too often what we get into the place of doing is, as we end up teaching our kids, you need to be the one to say, you're sorry. And rightfully so, they, they should know how to do that. 
But in any relationship that exists, whether it be with our spouse or our boyfriend or girlfriend or our grandparents, whoever that may be, the most important thing that you can do is walk with humility before that person, especially your kids and especially as they get older. To display and to confess and to confide that, that you were deeply inadequate in that moment and to, and to ask for their forgiveness. I, I had to do that. I won't tell you which one of my five kids I had to do that, not to embarrass them. I had to do that this week. Because the way I went about doing something, I, I didn't communicate it in a, in a right way and I didn't understand rightly and I, and I came across in the wrong way. And, and so I had to make that right. I, I had to be the one to go, you know what, I, I'm sorry. And I, and I, I need your, for, I ask for your forgiveness for, for how I dealt with that circumstance. I, I was wrong in that. And I hope that over the, the life of all of my kids' lives, they, they hear their mom and dad say that regularly. Our, our, our parents, your, your parents are, are not uh, infallible people. They make mistakes. And one of the keys to, to parenting wisely and, and rightly before them is that we recognize our inadequacies and we run to God in the midst of that as we run to them and as we confess and ask for that forgiveness. Fourthly, I want to remind you of this truth that God didn't give your children to build your reputations, but to proclaim his. I'm fond of saying this in my house, oftentimes to my kids, when they get out of the car and they, they go to school, I'll, I'll say things like, remember your name, remember who you are. Being an Erickson, it, it means something. It means we, we act and behave in a, in a certain way. And, and I've given that name meaning. It's meaning that was passed down from, from my dad and my, my papa. To remember you're an Erickson. To remember my wife's maiden name. You're, you're a zinc graph. Like remember that. It, it, it means something. So how we act and, and that name, we, we have made much of that because we can ruin the reputation of our names very quickly. And children and, and sons and daughters can, can sully those reputations quickly when, when those mistakes are on display for the world to see. But, but there's this reminder here that God has given us children to steward those children, not because of my name, but because of his name. This past week, uh, on Friday, I traveled uh, all the way out into West Texas uh, to the I wouldn't say it's a great city at all. In fact, I don't know why anybody lives out in Lubbock, Texas, for that matter. And drove the four and a half hours. My son's football team was playing, and, and we watched as two Christian schools got together and, and played. And uh, my, my, our school's team kind of got a spanking, if you will. They got, they got beat. They, these kids were bullies, and they were more aggressive, and they were a little bit tougher. They hit harder. Uh, they did all kinds of things. But as the game evolved towards the end of the fourth quarter, it was fairly close for a pretty good while. And, and the fans on the other side were yelling and screaming, uh, not cheering for their kids, but yelling against the other team. They were yelling at the refs. And then our parents start doing this. And, and and pretty soon, I start to hear uh, four-letter words from, uh, Christians don't use four-letter words, right? I begin to hear four-letter words from the stands yelling profanities at the refs and yelling profanities at the other team. Where we had ceased like cheering for our guys and now it was going to be, we're just going to root against you. And the first thing I thought in that moment was like, man, like, uh, uh, I hope there's no uh, lost people that are here that are watching us sort of behave that way. And then the irony of the whole thing was, was at the end of all this, the two Christian teams gathered together at the midfield and, and they prayed together. And I thought, Lord, they better be praying, forgive us for using these four letter words against us. And uh, some of these dads that I was standing next to needed to go out there for a time of confession. And I know who some of the dads are. I know who their kids are. And I think, man, you, you're messing your name up. 
It's your reputation in the midst of this. But, but the reminder is that it ultimately is not about that dad's last name or, or my last name, but it's about the God that he represents and, and who he proclaims he actually is. He, he sullied that name, but ultimately, praise be to him, it is not about our own name, but it is about proclaiming his name. Fifthly, I would say this, that raising children in a godly home It's all about the ordinary moments. It's all about the ordinary moments. Listen to me. Some of you parents need to hear this. It's it's not about expensive vacations every year. It's not about spending tens of thousands of dollars to to have a godly home that honors the Lord. It's it's not about the big trips. though. though Those trips can be meaningful and and useful, and and they're not wrong. But but raising kids up in a a God-like manner that honors Christ, it is about the very ordinary moments of life. How I would define that is I would just say, number one, it's about just being present in their life. It's about showing up for games. It's about sitting around on a, on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon and, and being on the floor with them and, and playing games with them. It's, it's about like yesterday, I was laying on the couch and, and uh, Duke uh, climbs up from the top rope of the back of the couch and uh, proceeds to give me an elbow in the back of the head. And, and then Lucy jumps on and for about 10 or 15 minutes in the midst of that, we begin to wrestle. And then all of a sudden they start to get sweaty and I get sweaty. I'm like, we got to stop this. This is over. It's about these ordinary moments that, that exist within our homes with our children. It's, it's not about the select baseball or, or select soccer. It's not about always going and, and having to do things. It's just simply about the ordinary, faithful moments with our kids. Those are the things that they remember. We have to, to be present in those ordinary moments. We have to respond proportionately in those ordinary moments. The, the punishment needs to match the crime. The way we go about executing the punishment, it needs to match in tone. That we don't raise our voices, we don't raise our hands up in any way to, to discipline. We, one of the things that Haley and I were committed to when we got married is that we said we would, we would never spank our kids with our hands. We would never spank our kids with our hands. And and in fact, we went so far as to say that the hands are are meant to be in the life of our children. They're they're meant to be used as tools for for affection. And so it's when I would grab little Lucy at at night as she goes to bed and or she would grab my face with her hands and and squeeze our cheeks together and then and then go out for a kiss. It's the side hug. It's the it's one of my kids is is not a physical touch uh, kind of person. So it's a fist bump, but it's whatever exists in those moments, what our hands are used for affection, not discipline. We respond proportionately in those ordinary moments. And then thirdly, I think we must always be redemptive. We must always be redemptive. There is a fine line in relationships somewhere between being passive and being harsh. And some parents are just deeply harsh. And there's times in which you come across as harsh. There there are times in relationships with your children, you're too permissive. And you you allow too many things. My, My brother, he's not here to defend himself, but he's two years younger than me. And to this day, he's convinced that he had it so much harder in life than, than the older brother did, that, that, that he, was, he was disciplined in a, in a much different way and raised in a much different way. But, but all the older brothers, we all know the truth. And the truth is this, that, that as you begin to have more kids, the discipline and structure that existed with the old kid, it sort of begins to go away the more children that you have. And so the truth is, the younger kids always have it best. 
They always have it better. It's always a little bit easier. There's, there's always a little bit more freedom and there's always a little bit more TV time or video game time. But, but the idea is there is a balance somewhere between being harsh and being permissive with our, with our kids. And somewhere in the middle is, is where we want to be, but we want to be redemptive in doing that. How, do we, how are we redemptive in those ordinary moments? Well, I think first and foremost, you always should explain the why behind the what. Explain the why behind the what. Not that you owe your kid an explanation every single time, but, but part of good parenting is getting on their level and understanding why we go about doing the rules that we have. You're disciplined for this reason, not just the what. It's helping them see and, and understand that we don't just have rules for, for meaningless reasons. Here's why we do that. Here's why we put structure in your life. Because if we didn't put structure in your life and you were left to your own devices, uh, some of my kids, my, my youngest one in particular, she would probably, if I allowed her to watch TV all day long, she would wake up at 7 a.m. and she would not go to bed until midnight and she would be completely content right there zoned in. So, so we have rules, we have TV time, we have freedom in the midst of that, but there's structure that exists because if you let her do it too long, she gets cranky and angry and mad. And the longer she plays on a device or, or watches TV, it's like the angrier she gets at times and, and, and those things inside. So we explain the why behind the what. Number two, in being redemptive, we always root correction and discipline in love. One counselor put it this way. He said, discipline should always end in a hug. It always ends in a hug. Not a, a distancing yourself from them, not, not being passive aggressive or emotionally manipulative, but, but discipline rooted in love, rooted in making the best and drawing the best out of our children. It ends in a hug. It ends in affirmation that I love you and that I care for you. And that I, it's one of those sayings that we've all heard our parents say that when we become parents, we say it, we swear we would never say it. This hurts me more than it hurts you. And I remember my dad said that to me one time. I said, well, you bend over and let me spank you then. And we say we'll never say it, and then we end up saying it to our kids. We root that correction and discipline and love, and then we're honest and, and share the frustration of our repeated failures, as, as stated earlier. Fifthly, sixthly, whatever number I'm on, say this. Every one of your kids is different. Every one of your children have different personalities. They process emotions differently. They see the world differently. They, they may have the same God and, and, and values in that sense, but all of our kids are differently. And so it is important to meet your kids where they're at instead of where you want them to be. To not provoke your child to anger means that there will be at times where I will treat my kids differently, not because I, I love one more than the other, but because I recognize that they respond to, to different things and types of structure and discipline in very different ways. They feel things differently than, than their sibling does at times. And so one of the obligations of the parent is to meet them precisely where they're at instead of where you want them to be. You can paint the picture. This is where I want you to go. This is how I want you to, to be. But we meet them where they are as we offer that instruction. And then lastly, I would say this, the way that you treat your spouse will directly affect how your children perceive the Lord. Above any kind of discipline and correction, the way that the husband and wife love each other in front of their kids, it speaks volume and it will deeply impact how they view 
the Lord. And so one of the things that we do in our home is that we always want our kids as a representation of, of who God is, the idea that God is never going to leave us, he's never going to forsake us, God will never abandon us, he will never quit on us, he will never walk away, and just as the Lord God will never do those things, my relationship with my wife, I will never leave her, I will never forsake her, I will never abandon her, I will never be unfaithful to her. And so the way that we do that without using words in front of our kids is every chance I get, especially in the morning when they're all gathered around the breakfast table, as I smooch my wife as often as I can, and I grab her and I hug her and I, I do it to the point to where my kids, they begin to go, ugh. And they roll their eyes. Or they begin to smile, like almost like they're, they're embarrassed a little bit. And you get those comments like, Dad, Stop, because I want them to know that I am deeply in love with their mom and that their mom is deeply in love with me and that nothing will, will get in the way of that, nothing will interfere with that. They, they need to see mom and dad hug each other and kiss each other. They need to see mom and dad show affection to one another. Why? Because that is a representation in so many ways that, that points to the, the other reality that, that our God deeply loves us and that our God deeply cares for us as his children. And so the way that we treat our spouses will directly affect how our children perceive the Lord. But I want to say this in conclusion. To some of you that are, that are out there and, and maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your parents. And maybe you think this is great, someday I'll, I'll, I'll do this, but... Time's not right yet. So I want to remind you of, of this truth, that in Christ we find the love and acceptance we searched for from our parents if we didn't get it. He is everything that maybe your mom and dad weren't. He is there to offer you everything that, that your mom and dad maybe didn't. And if you see this picture painted and you go, man, I got shortchanged in the midst of this, well, well, make no mistake about it. In Christ, we have everything that we need or didn't get growing up. And he redeems that time. He redeems those moments. He redeems those deeply damaged relationships. He redeems those things that perhaps were, were done to you. He redeems the fact that your dad left or you were, you were in a, an abusive relationship even perhaps with your parents. And I say that not wanting to minimize any of those things and the things that you went through, but, but we recognize that in Christ we have every single thing that we need. And he binds our wounds and he fixes the, the holes that are in our life. And he shows us what acceptance is and what love is and what affection is. And, and all of those things, he, he binds our wounds and he heals us and, and he forgives us and, and he cares for us. And he's always there, even if your mom and dad weren't. And I think he looks at some of you in this room that perhaps feel that way right now or had a relationship that was broken with your mom and dad. And he says, I know. But would you let me, Christ, in this moment be what they were not? Pray with me. Father, we pray that in Christ's name that you would heal the wounds of any that are here today that maybe have a broken relationship with their mom and dad. We pray that in your spirit that you would speak to them. Maybe those that had parents that were not worthy of, of honor, didn't, didn't feel worthy of respect. Father, I pray that you would 
show that man, that woman, that college student, that believer, how, how they, even in the midst of a broken relationship, could honor their mom and dad. And Father, I pray that for whatever our parents were or were not, that ultimately we are reminded of the truth and the reality that Christ is the fullness of God on display and that he is everything that we need. So Father, I ask that during this time we would run to him, that he would heal and bind our wounds, that he would be found perfect in the midst of our weakness. He would give us strength in the midst of that. So Father, I pray that you'd help us be faithful this week, and I pray these things in Christ's name and God's people said, amen.